Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Oh God, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you that it is by your spirit that we are prepared to hear your word to receive your word. And I ask now, O God, that you would bless this vessel, that your word might be spoken. To you be all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Recently, I had a conversation with a man who I believe to be just a few years younger than me. And he was experiencing a great deal, uh, degree of distress over the fact that there have been things going on around him all his life that pertain to race and justice. And though these things were right before him, he said he never felt or thought they touched his life directly. Only recently has he considered the impact of those things on his life and their far-reaching implications to the effect of the lives of his children and grandchildren. And after telling me a few particulars of his life, he said, I feel like I've been asleep all my life. And thinking about the, these things that he had shared with me, I had to consider the fact that even though I have considered myself to be reasonably aware of the things that contribute to ills and injustices in our society, I had my own struggle around being asleep. My desire to stay awake keeps me from turning off that daunting news feed on my computer. 
And I know it's because there's a fear that, that I would miss something that would affect the future of this world. The future that I feel like I know and understand. I find that I spend too much time concerning myself with something that might affect the world we all live in without us being aware that that change is happening. And what I had to remind myself of, and I remind all of us tonight, is that anytime we find ourselves preoccupied with the future, what could happen, or preoccupied with the past, what did happen, we are asleep to the present. And the Word of God encourages us to stay awake, to be watchful. In other words, in today's vernacular, stay woke. Stay woke, you've probably heard that term floating around. Being woke has to do with being present in the right now moment. And according to dictionary.com, Woke is the past tense, awake. Being past the process of waking up. Being done with waking up. Fully evolved from sleep. And while grammatically incorrect, that's a pretty good description of how woke is currently being used today. It's about being aware and knowing what's going on around you in your own community, in the country, in the world. And since the rise of Eric Badu's song and the Black Lives Matter movement, being woke has specific ties to awareness around racism and social injustice. A woke person is, are those who, a woke person is not only one paying attention, but also one who is thinking for themselves. Woke people are those who can discern both the realities and the distractions, who can recognize the isms, the things that divide us and control our lives day by day. Martin Luther King Jr. was known for encouraging people to stay awake, to wake up. It was not uncommon for Dr. King to bring up the story of Rip Van Wrinkle in his speeches or his sermons. And as the story goes, Rip Van Wrinkle wandered into the mountain with his dog and ran into a group of Dutchmen who gave him some kind of concoction to drink. And then Rip fell asleep for about 20 years. And Dr. King is known to have said this many times, the things we usually remember about the story, or the thing we usually remember about the story of Rip slept for, is that he slept for 20 years. But there's another point in that story which is almost always completely overlooked. When Rip went up on the mountain, a sign in the local tavern had a picture of King George III. And when he came down, it had a picture of George Washington. So Dr. King would say, the most striking thing about the story is that Rip Rand Wrinkle is not, is not that he slept for 20 years, but that he slept through a revolution. If Dr. King were around today, he might very well encourage us all to stay woke. 
Here in this text, the disciples were on a mountaintop with Jesus. Jesus was at the point of beginning the journey to the cross, a place where he would have needed encouragement. And likewise, those around him, his followers, would need encouragement also. Moses and Elijah, two prominent Hebrew prophets who, like Jesus and these disciples, had in their own lifetime needed encouragement and found themselves on a mountaintop. They, too, had experienced a revelation of God's presence at a crucial period of discouragement in their mission. Elijah, at a time when he was hunted by authorities, and despite his attempt to flee, God called him back into the struggle. Moses, at a time when he was tired and weary of disloyal people, at a time when he had already spent 40 days on the mountaintop, when he came down, he was called to ascend once again for the second time. And considering this account of their mountaintop experience, Certainly, the message could be that God wants to assure us that God will meet us in our own moments of despair and discouragement. It could be that God may even give us a mountaintop experience. However, I contend that because of our present situation in this society, a a society that is so laden with so many things that trouble us in one way or another, things that can cause us to feel overwhelmed or to think that there is nothing we can do about it, that God is today, tonight, calling us to push past this temptation to just go back to sleep. The call is to stay woke. As much as I've been concerned about the potential effects of social media on our ability to relate to one another in a healthy and humane way, I would venture to say that because of social media, many of us have woke to the realities of what we deal with in our society. All through the scriptures we find Jesus encouraging his disciples to stay awake, to stay woke, In most cases, he would say, wake up and keep watch. Surely Jesus was not expecting us to literally stay awake all the time. We all need sleep. Jesus was offering us a way of being in the world, but not of it. A way of living with our eyes wide open in a spiritual posture of watchfulness and attentiveness and vigilance. Staying woke will keep us from falling prey to the lure of the world, the lure of the symbolic Dutchman. The way things are going in our country right now, the invitation to take a short nap sounds pretty good. And I'm not sure that 20 years would be too long. Yes, Jesus warns us to stay awake, and we must resist the temptation to fall back asleep. Stay awake, keep watch, pay attention, be vigilant. They're all speaking to that call 
that we hear day in and day out as we listen for the voice of God. And why should we stay awake? The world is trying to lull us back into a deep sleep. There are some powers, some forces out there that are committed to keeping the world the way it is, to maintaining the status quo, to holding on to the current power structure, to preventing the revolution that is inevitably to come. My mind goes back now to back last November, right after the election, and people were trying to decide what to do and how to think and all of that. And one of my daughter's friends said to her that he was so glad that the current president, President Trump, was elected. He said, now we're going to have a revolution. <laughs> and for a moment, I thought he was pre speaking pretty foolishly. But the way things are, and the way God is speaking to the body of Christ, I'm not sure that he was far off from the truth. When we look at the benefits of staying woke as displayed in this transfiguration story, we see first of all that we need to stay woke because in doing so we are able to know what it is that God is doing in and through Jesus. The scripture says that they looked upon him and while he was praying and the appearance of his face changed and his clothes changed, they became dazzling white. Being present to the moment, being woke, we too will have a better chance of seeing what God is doing, to keep ourselves available for whatever experience God calls us to. Whatever experience God uses to encourage our hearts as we continue this journey. And just be mindful that those mountaintop experiences are not there to boost our egos, but to encourage our hearts. To encourage us for the journey ahead. Or to encourage us after some experience that have left us with a sense of hardship or devastation. A second reason to stay awoke as we look at this scripture is to know what God, to know, to know or understand that God will go to any extent to encourage us. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, men who had long ago died, talking to Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. It's a good thing to stay awake, to be woke, to hear what the saints of God are talking about. Jesus had been talking to the disciples about his impending death. That was just a few days earlier. It was to pass. But then we find him on this mountaintop, talking with two glorified saints of old about the very same thing. In that present moment, the disciples were seen or were present to hear Jesus talking about the future, what was to come. That reminds us that we don't have to spend so much time worrying about the future. God will indeed reveal, reveal what the future holds for us. 
We could so easily keep our minds turned to what the world is talking about and how the world is perceiving things that we forget that there are those among us who have walked this way before, those who represent the wisdom of the ages and those from whose lips God will confirm the truth of where we are and what's to come. Peter's suggestion to build a tabernacle speaks to how quickly we can get distracted and fall back into our old ways of being. It speaks to the human longing in each of us to mark the places and the moments where we encounter God in a profound way. You know how we do. We so readily want to mark the spot, build monuments with the hope of perpetuating the experience. And yes, there are times when that is the right thing to do, to mark the occasion. But there are times when we are called to wait and listen and, and to hear what it is that God is saying through the mouths of his saints, his prophets even. There, in this particular case, is a vision. And a vision of this nature is not something that we can contain in a monument or a memorial. It would be like trying to put God in a box. I'm going to tell this story, I hope it would be pretty quickly. Some of you have heard this. You have, some of you heard my cataract story, right? And it's all about how we can so easily put God in a box. Back in the late 80s, 88, 89, I had this profound experience while praying. And when I got up off my knees, it looked like the room was filled with smoke. It was no question in my mind that I had had a profound encounter, encounter with the God that I served. Now fast forward, that was in 88, 89, fast forward to 2011. I got up one morning and the room looked like it was filled with smoke. I began to praise God and to shout and to carry on. Got up the next, next day or a couple days later, the same thing. The room is filled with smoke and I'm praising God. So I go to the mall and I run into a friend of mine and she tells me that her husband had just had cataract surgery. And I said, well, how did he know he had cataracts? She said every morning he was getting up saying the room was filled with smoke. <laughs> I called a friend of mine who's an optometrist and I said, Becky, you would love this because she is a woman of God, just full of spirit and everything. I said, you would love this. This is a good example of how we put God in a box. I'd had that profound experience back in 88, 89 and I waited and waited for it to happen again. <laughs> And certainly, certainly in 2011, here it was. <laughs> but I go to the doctor only to find that I have cataracts. <laughs> Nevertheless, God got praise out of all of that. <laughs> like the Hebrew people. You know, I hate to say it like this, but we Richmonders, we're used to putting monuments and memorials up, right? We know what it's like to fall back into all of this stuff 
that would put God in a box. But what God is calling us to do is to be present in the moment. And we can trust that when the time comes to erect monuments and memorials, we will know. We don't need to seek the experience. We need to seek God. The scripture says that while Peter was still speaking, a greater voice than his own was heard, a voice of truth and power and love, the same voice that had spoken 33 years earlier at the River of Jordan spoke once again declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. This is my Son, my chosen. Listen to him. Yes, we can stay woke so that we don't miss a life-changing ex experience. And we can stay woke that we don't miss what the saints are saying. But this says to me that there is yet another reason to stay woke. And that is that we don't miss what God is saying. God's own voice provided a definitive answer, definitive answer to the question that had been asked earlier of the disciples. Who do you say that I am? And God answers that question. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. See, God was in the midst of the conversation when Peter got that great revelation about Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of God. God was in the midst of the conversation when Elijah and Moses met with him on the mountaintop. And God is letting the disciples know that I'm with you now, even as God let each, lets each of us know that God is with us even now. And he lets us know that Jesus will always be with us. In his own words, our Lord said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. You see, the mountaintop experience, as quickly as it came, so quickly was it gone. Elijah and Moses were gone, but Jesus was still there. So it is with Christ in our lives even now. While all of the other things and people that we concern ourselves with might walk away, be no more, our Lord is always there. And ultimately, we must stay woke so that we can continue the work that God has assigned our hearts and hands to do. And if you remember in that Rip Van Brinkle story, when he came, when he, even though he missed the revolution, you know, it's, it's like he missed more than that. He had missed time with his family. He had missed time 
communing with God and with those around him. So the revolution is not just about what's going on on the outside. The revolution is also about what's going on on the inside. It's about our relationships changing. It's about changing as individuals. And if indeed we are embarking on a season of revolution, may God help us to stay woke that we would not miss the revolution that's most important. And that is the internal one, a revolution of heart and mind and body and soul. Stay woke, folks. Amen.